Ooh, look, that good, good, good morning. How are we this morning? Did you come ready to worship the Lord this morning? Good. I want to read from Psalm 100 before we begin. And uh, Amen. Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. That's where we've come to worship this morning because he is good. And we want to make a joyful noise this morning. And as I look out in the congregation, I realize that's what some of us do, is make a joyful noise. There are some other people sing, and, but it's all worship to the Lord. Amen? Because some of you know what you're, what you're like, yeah, that's me. But um, that's, we want to sing. We want to, want to just lift our voices to him, not just listen, but, but uh, extol him with our words and celebrate him and invite him in. Um, make declarations. Some of these songs that we do in worship, they're declaration songs. Um, we're, you know, so, so as we're singing a song, if it's worship, make sure you're singing it to him. If it's a, a, a song about him, declare it loudly in this congregation. Let it go out into the heavens. If it's a declaration, own it and, and make it an affirmation of something that's happening for you in your life. Um, turn it personal. Um, this isn't karaoke. This is a time to, to think about, put our hearts on him, magnify him, and enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Uh, another reason to give uh, thanksgiving is today is the last day of the winter holiday. And tomorrow, hopefully, everyone goes back to school, and most everyone goes back down the mountain, and we can have our gas stations back and our stores back. And all of that Hallelujah. stuff too, um, and and I, I don't know if we have too many of anyone if, like this in the congregation right now this morning. We do, we do. Who's singing the song, the Christmas song still? And mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start yes. again, and uh, so that's happening too tomorrow this week. And uh, but we're we want to worship him and celebrate him for you know he is good, um, even when the traffic is bad. He is good. It, it took me um, 25 minutes to get home last night. And most of you know where I live from here. 25 minutes to get to my house. And so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're thankful this, this is ending. And, but you know what we're also thankful for is that God blessed this valley with work and with finances and with jobs, Thank and so um, for every good, there's always, uh, for every negative, there's, you, we always need to see, Lord, help me see the positive, see what you're doing in this, and he always does that. So um, as you get, uh, as you stand and get ready to worship, um, let's pray. Amen? Amen. James, I'm going to ask you to pray for us this morning. Lord, as you would just touch everyone here, touch our vocals, our music, our instruments, 
We just invite you that you would just have your way with us in Jesus' name. Amen. happy that didn't go pop. Amen. Are we in tune? Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, 
serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. I will follow you, yeah, I will follow you, I will follow you. Amen. To the King of glory and light, all praises to the only giver of life, our Maker. The gates are open wide, we worship you. Come see what love has done, amazing. He brought us with his blood, our Savior. Our cross has overcome, we worship you. Shout Hosanna, shout Hosanna, Jesus he saves. Shout Hosanna, he rose from the grave. Come and lift him up, Hosanna. Let the lost be found, forgiven, death could not hold him down, he's risen, so let the saints cry out, we worship you. Shout, Hosanna, Jesus he saves, shout, Hosanna, he rose from the grave. Come and lift him up, Hosanna. The same power that rolled the stone away, the same power alive in us today. King Jesus, we call upon your name, no other name. The same power that rolled the stone away, the same power alive in us today. King Jesus, we call upon your name, no other Jesus, he saves. Shout, Hosanna. He rose from the grave. Come and lift him up. Hosanna. 
you see my victory when all I see is the mountain you see a mountain move and as I walk through the shadow your love surrounds me There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees, with my hands lifted high. Oh God, battle belongs to you, and every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. Yes, you do. Yes, you do, Lord. When all I see is a cross, God, you see the empty tomb. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in shadow you win every battle nothing can stand against the power almighty fortress almighty fortress you go
dead came to life I believe there were wonders and signs you're still the same I believe every word that you said I believe there are scars in your hands that your goodness is good without end and you'll never change of your wonders, sing of your grace, the God of creation knows me by name, the Lord is faithful, yesterday, now, and always, always, your mercy is mighty, age after age, all generations will bow down and praise, the Lord is faithful. Yesterday, now, and always, always, I believe you will come in 
to save my lips shall still repeat Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow Jesus paid it all all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow.
God, we praise you this morning. God, we thank you so much that you raised this life, my life. I thank you that you raised me from the dead. God, I thank you that you saw me when I was still in my sin, God, that you loved me anyway. God, I thank you that you saved me from going further down a road that would have destroyed my life and eventually my soul in hell, God, that you loved me and you called me from darkness. God, I thank you that you even gave me the power to say yes to your call when you called me. Father, thank you that my life is raised from the dead, that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life because of the one Jesus who went to the cross for me to pay it all. Lord God, we owe everything to you. We owe everything to you, God. We thank you that you have washed us white as snow. Lord, I pray that you would also give us now strength and power to receive it, to believe it, that we are new creations, forgiven, redeemed, renewed. Help us to live like it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Love one another before you're... Well, good morning. Somebody heard me. <laughs> it's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Yes. Some of you might be wondering why I'm up here, because you don't usually see me up here. Um, I am one of three people that are running and facilitating the Grief Share program in the Valley, and we have a new session starting uh, this Tuesday at uh, 6.30 p.m. at the Cornerstone Fellowship, and that is behind the community market. And this session is for people that are experiencing death, people that have experienced it, people 
not that you want to go forward, but when we have somebody that we love die, our whole world changes. Everything changes about it. Uh, it's, it's been six years since my wife Linda died, and yet it still brings up those memories. It still uh, causes me to catch in thinking about it. And it, it is getting easier for me, but it's also still there. And so I still feel that call to help people uh, process the death of their loved one and to learn how to live with grief. And we don't die, but we do live. And we have to really take that attitude of God is inside of me, and he is the one that's living inside of me. And it's important that we learn to have that strength. Our, our partner walks beside us in this death. It's no longer consuming me, but she's there. And so it's important. Um, there are brochures out on the back table. Um, you can see me afterwards. But I would encourage you, if you've uh, suffered a death, if you've experienced that in your past, that this would be an opportunity to live and breathe and have new life. Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> um, well, the only announcement I have is just to remind those uh, that are leaders that we have a leaders meeting right after service over in KidZone. And so, yeah, we look forward to seeing you. And we're going to be projecting our vision for the Journey Church. So that is right after service. And with that, we're just going to, uh, as you're getting ready to receive uh, tithes and offerings, if we could put up that screen of the different ways that we can tithe and offer. Actually, just kidding. Don't put that screen up. Um, <laughs> we're going to uh, have a quick video from our one and only Madeline Hastings. So if you guys want to get ready to tithe, and then we'll watch it. It's been a couple weeks since I've done an update, so I just wanted to let you guys know how everything has been going. So we were in Kuala Lumpur for about four weeks. Uh, it was really, really great. We did a lot of different kids' ministries, um, a lot of different evangelism, just lots of different things um, but it was really great we were able to meet a lot of people and work with a lot of different churches especially over Christmas we were able to do a lot of different uh, ministries uh, focused on Christmas specifically um, which was definitely hard in some ways as uh, it's very spiritually heavy here um, but it was it was really great so we had a really awesome four weeks in Kuala Lumpur met a lot of amazing people um, so yeah it was good and then this past week, uh, I had mentioned in the past that some people had some visa issues and, and uh, <laughs> some people had some visa issues and they got those all sorted out. So they were gone in Singapore for a couple days um, and we came to another city, Penang, and we've been doing different ministries here. But we're all back together now. Everything is great with everyone. Um, we're all as a team, so it's been really good. It's been a really awesome week. God has been moving so much in this city. Um, we've seen a lot of healings take place, uh, which is so cool. We've done a lot of different uh, evangelism activities, um, and there's we've seen a lot of breakthrough. There's a lot of tourism here in Penang, so we've been able to talk to different people too. 
um, and be able to share the good news with them. So it's all been super impactful. Uh, we've been able to share a lot with different people. Um, we're in a pretty small house right now, so that's why you see everybody walking in the back. Um, but yeah, it's all been so good. So uh, one short testimony I wanted to share with you guys is uh, before outreach started, our leader, Damaris, uh, she got a word and God told her that you were going to speak to people in authority. So since we've been here uh, in Kuala Lumpur, we had a really awesome event that we were able to, to be a part of and do a ministry there. Um, and we were able to pray with one of the leaders in that city. Um, so that was really, really awesome. Um, and we were able to bless him and, and share with him the good news. And then just last night, we were out evangelizing at a festival that they had here. Um, and again, Damaris on our team and one of uh, another student we we're working with here, they were able to pray with the Prime Minister of Malaysia. So that was really, really awesome. Um, and God has really protected us because it can be dangerous to minister to certain people groups here. Um, but it, it's been so cool. And me and another girl were able to pray with another person who's a part of the government. Um, he serves here. Um, he is a Christian, and so we we're able to bless him. And uh, yeah, so it was just, it's so cool to see God working uh, and answering and fulfilling things that we had prayed about before we even left Sweden. Uh, so yeah, it's just been, it's been a really great week here, and it was a great four weeks in Kuala Lumpur as well. So we'll be here for just a couple more days. Um, it's a pretty short time here. Uh, yeah, just a couple more days here doing different ministries, working with the YWAM base that we're staying with currently. And then we'll be off to the East Island of Malaysia. Um, so we'll be in Sabah for two weeks. Um, and yeah, we're not quite sure what it'll look like yet. Uh, it's very just going with, the, going with the flow of things. So I will try to do one more video update in a couple weeks, but I hope you guys are all doing well. I miss you so much. Thank you for your prayers. Keep praying. We really, really appreciate them. Um, yeah, and we just, we keep seeing God move here. So it's it's been super powerful. Hopefully it can be encouraging to you guys too. Um, but yeah, I will see you guys pretty soon here. But uh, yeah, I praying for you all. I love you. We'll talk soon. Bye. I wanted to encourage you guys, you know, when we're giving in our tithes and our offerings, that's investing into the ministries here at this church. And yes, Madeline is pastor's daughter, but I mean, she's grown up in the church and she's been a part of so many different things, whether it's the youth group or helping in kids zone and all those different things. And so every part of what you've invested with your tithe and your offering into the church then goes out to the different ministries, which then allows students, young women like Madeline to go out and preach the word to the rest of the world. And so if you think about it, our tithes and our offerings have a small part in what's going on across the world and all around the world with those that are out on missions, which is really exciting. And so with that, let's go ahead and pray for our tithes and our offerings now. God, you are so good, and we are so thankful for the work that's being done over there, God, how you are working mightily through those young men and women, and we just ask that First and foremost, you keep them um, safe, God, that you continue to build them up, encourage them, um, allow them to be wise in the ways and things that they do, God, but also to, to put you first. And God, we thank you for 
the small part that maybe our giving has allowed to be a part of that. And Father, as we're here, um, I pray that you'd help us to be mission-minded even in our own homes, um, with the people we work with, with our family. God, to know that each and every person we come into contact with is someone that needs to know you. So God, help us to be bold and help us to share about what you did for us, Lord, the love and the grace that you have for us, Lord. And we just ask that um, all that is given today would go to do just that. Lord, we love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I appreciate what Jesse just shared, and Sit next to Shannon, and, and uh, um, we. I just was in contact with Madeline this morning, so I didn't get. I I just saw that video this morning. She actually probably recorded it this morning, um, or maybe, you know, she. They're 16 hours ahead, so this morning was like 10 o'clock last night. So that that might have been yesterday morning. But um, I leaned over. Shannon leaned over to me and said, "It's just so amazing all the connections." that as we give what it's doing, and I don't know if you picked up on the fact that your giving into this little tiny church helped the gospel get preached and prayer for the prime minister of Malaysia. That's, that's a, in case you missed that, they prayed with the prime minister last night. That's awesome. That's awesome. Is Flo in here this morning? Oh, she might be working. Flo is from Malaysia. In fact, she's from Sabah, where Madeline is going. And so, praise the Lord for that. It's exciting. Amen? Amen. This morning, we are uh, continuing on in the book of 1 Corinthians. So, if you've got your Bible, open that up to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 7. Let's, let's pray for our time in the Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word that you prepared for us, God. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, we thank you for Paul who um, was inspired by you and wrote these words down for us. God, I pray that you would um, bless us as we read through it, as we talk about it this morning, that you would bring life and hope and healing even, God, um, understanding to this Word. Uh, bless the hear, and I pray that my words would be yours, they'd be clear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is, is one of the strongest, one of the most uh, clear and specific passages on um, sex, marriage, and singleness in the Bible. And that's what we are talking about this morning. If, if there was a, a title for the message... Um, it would be um, singleness, sex, marriage, and divorce. And uh, so we're going to be talking about this topic this morning. Uh, we even met this week um, and, as the elders and, and said, hey, what, you know, how we want to handle this? Because when we're, you come to church, and I've been hearing from a number of people I've already talked to about this, that they've been in church a long time and really never hear about sex, 
at church. And we need to, do, so we're going to this morning, um, Paul th thought it was extremely important to write about it. So we are going to cover this this morning so that we can get an understanding of, of what the scriptures talk about. And so I'm excited about this this morning, and I can tell by your faces you are too. <laughs> Amen. 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 It's a, it is a delicate topic, and it, it, but it should be addressed, and it, it should be addressed well. And honestly, it should be addressed far more often than it is. Uh, we have uh, kept some of these topics multiple reasons in today's message. Uh, we don't talk about them. We don't talk about sex much in church. And so we just say, well, list, hopefully all that's going well for you. Here's the problem. Statistically, and story after story says, it's not. Okay? So, so we're not going to get real graphic, but we're going to talk about this a little bit. The other uh, part is singleness. What about singleness? What about widows? Uh, how do we uh, address that? How do we live as single people in the church? How does God view that topic? Uh, what about divorce? What about divorce? One of the reasons we don't hear much about divorce in the church is because statistically, 40 to 60% of you are divorced. And in church, we as pastors never want to have anybody feel bad about something that has happened to them. But we need to address God's view and biblical view on divorce remarriage. And so we're going to uh, talk a little bit about that tonight. Uh, today, I also want to encourage that if any of these, uh, this message at all brings up um, some thoughts or questions that you would see either your, your life group leader or one of the leaders, one of the elders or myself, um, and, and talk about if this, if this comes and says, you know, I have an issue in this area. I want to talk about this area or whatever it is that we are available to help you walk through um, and, and try to encourage you and, and point you towards tools. And there are a lot of tools out there to help us have a good understanding and a good view and a biblical viewpoint in a, in a time where the world is espousing a lot of non-biblical truths about the subjects of sex, marriage, and divorce. And so I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I'll, I'll even throw out some, uh, uh, some uh, statistics that will possibly surprise and correct some things that we believe, and, um, and we'll, we'll do that as we go. Uh, Paul addresses this topic in a pretty strong way. One of the issues that I think that we have a problem with in, uh, in this topic of, of sex and marriage and divorce, and you're going to say, do I have to keep saying that word? Until we get comfortable with it, church. <laughs> Until we get comfortable with it. Um, in marriage, there's a lot of issues besides just sex that come up. There's issues in marriage, as we're going to talk a little bit about divorce. But in marriage, we often ignore the, the signs that there could be a problem. Uh, we don't always know what to do when there's a sign that there's a problem. Sometimes we're absolutely oblivious to the signs that there could be a problem. And a lot of time we just really, we just like, let's ignore it until it goes away. In case this is a newsflash, it doesn't go away. 
And some of you really understand what I'm talking about. Interesting, if you have a car and it starts making a, a noise, now I know that I, I, statistically and just human nature, some of you do uh, this. I don't hear it anymore. Now, when you have a car issue, you can't just turn up the volume on the radio and hope it goes away. Some of you have done that, and maybe you've had a blown engine. We do the same approach in marriage, but often with, when you have a noise happening in your car, you go, man, i got to take that in and get it checked out. I want to encourage you. You're married. You have relationships with people. When you hear a noise, when there's something going, ooh, this doesn't seem like it's good. I wonder what it is. Go get some help. Let, let, let's, let's look in and see if there's something we can do about that. Let's not um, let our marriages just suffer in silence. As, as we go through, we'll talk a little bit about some of those things and a lot of encouragement towards um, understanding and working towards having a better marriage. Uh, I want to read through this section here, and we're going to just go kind of verse by verse and hit some of these um, points as we go. We're only going to get, if we get there, we're going to get through 16 today. And, um, and in my Bible, it says principles for marriage. Um, and so it says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote. So remember, Paul is addressing the church at Corinth. And he's been addressing things that he knew about and he heard about. Now, this is the first time that we can see here that he actually says, now we're going to address, about, address some of the things that you wrote me about. He's been addressing things that he's heard about. And now, apparently, he got a letter from them, and he wants to address it. And so he says, about the um, uh, matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Now, Right away, I want to encourage um, wives, this is not a biblical verse for you to tell your husband. <laughs> it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. What's he talking about? He's actually talking about uh, he, his opinion in general that, and we're going to elaborate on this, but actually that um, outside of marriage, for sure, Men, women should not be having sex outside of marriage. It's real simple. He's going to go on and elaborate that he thinks that uh, if you have this gift of singleness, talk a little bit more in a few minutes, that you should stay unmarried. But he's saying, listen, you should, um, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. We're living in a time now that the world says, just have sex. Um, really coming against any biblical teaching of waiting until after marriage uh, before engaging in, in any type of sexual activity. They said, do it. Um, it's happening younger and younger. The idea of, of people entering marriage um, as virgins the, the rates are dropping lower and lower because of what culture is saying. Interesting. Finally, there are some studies that are being, beginning to be admitted outside of Christendom that says when you engage in sexual uh, activity outside of marriage and before marriage, it brings issues into your marriage. What's, what I love is the Bible has been talking about these things forever, and now we're actually seeing 
some issues about this topic. They're coming into to studies and psychology. But so Paul is saying, I think it's better to just not have sexual relations at all. Now, this is his opinion. He, Paul uh, was likely married. His uh, um, history says that he, he was probably married, but his wife had died by the time he wrote that. And we're going to learn that he has the gift to stay single for different reasons. And so he's kind of saying, this is what it is. But if you cannot be like that, because of the temptation uh, for sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. I love that. Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. Not each man should have whatever women he wants. Each wife, woman should be able to have whatever men she wants. But each man should have his own and each woman her own. Single man, single woman, united in marriage together. Now, one of the reasons marriage happens is because of, of what Paul is saying here is one of the reasons we should be married is that uh, the temptation to sexual immorality, to have sex. And he, he's boiling it down to just real simple. I want to add that there are a lot of other reasons, great reasons, to, to be married. And it's the, the union and the unity and the partnership that happens when a man and a woman come together. Now, people like Mark Twain have said things like, I think living together with a woman, marriage is a very strange idea. I think it would be better for a man and a woman to live next door to each other and come over and visit. <laughs> and and, and why, why does people like Mark Twain and, and others say similar ideas? Because men and women are so incredibly different. Once I even heard that men were from and women were from Right? In other words, we are aliens, strangers to each other. The way we do everything is so different than each other. And because of that, a lot of people say, yeah, because of that, this whole marriage thing and living together thing and is weird and we shouldn't do it. That's pre precisely why we should have marriage. Because we bring something to the table, each gender, each person brings something to the table that the other is lacking. So in addition to uh, sex, which we're going to talk about a little bit, that sex um, unifies a husband and wife in a way that nothing else does, husband and wife, man and woman living together, bring their gifts, their points of view, uh, their personality, all of these characteristics and makes this amazing, amazing union that sometimes you want to choke each other over. <laughs> right? Because we just don't see things the same way. And thank God for that. Here, here, here's a quick example of not seeing things the same way that is very, very helpful. Who's ever had a doctor tell you one thing, you went out and got a second opinion, and we're super, 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 super glad you did? Anyone? Okay. Isn't a second opinion, another point of view, a really good thing? Think about all the things in your life, whether it was uh, fixing a car, of course, in, in, in doctors, in medical things, in many, many points that, that you or somebody around had one opinion, like, ooh, that sounds really good, and then somebody else brought in, and you're like, oh, I am so glad you pointed that out to me. This is what happens in marriage all 
the time. So there's a lot of reasons, but we're going to primarily talk about, um, we're going to keep back into the chapter because we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks on this, and I encourage you to get more understanding, get more knowledge, get more information, um, read books, listen to podcasts. Focus on the Family has so much. Just them alone has so many resources and access to resources to help you with your marriage and your family. Um, so we go, because of temptation, each man should, should be, have his own wife, each woman her own husband. Verse 3, this one is a, this has been touted by men and pastors and everyone forever, and it's been misunderstood. Verse 3, the husband should give to his wife her, I'm reading from the ESV, conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. And some of you men have said, the Bible says you got to give it to me. Some of you are really uncomfortable with that. Pastors have said, wives, you got to give it to them. This is what the scriptures say. I want to talk about that a little bit. We have a very poor understanding of sex. Even in this in age of enlightenment and all the information that's, that we've learned about, we still are lacking a lot of knowledge. And more than knowledge, we're lacking understanding. Understanding of each other, understanding of each other's needs, understanding of the way this sh should work, and even under misunderstanding what the scriptures say here. In the Greek, well, let me give you some. If you have a different version of the Bible, um, when I said conjugal rights, you're like, man, my Bible doesn't have that. Uh, anybody still using King James in here by any chance? I didn't th think so. It's, are you? New King James. New King James says affection. Give, give your, your spouse, your wife, do affection. Um, the King James says um, benevolence. Give her the, her due benevolence. The, um, and you're like, benevolence, affection, conjugal. And I'm like, what does the original Greek say? I'm like, these are really different. So I went back to what the Greek said, and the ASV has closest, most accurate, simply says, give to your wife what is due. You know who filled in the blank? People. People did, and honestly, it's a little confusing. But Paul says, husbands, give your wife what is due. H wives, give your husband what is due. And that's what I want to talk about here for just a couple minutes before we move on. What is that? We might have knowledge, but we don't always have understanding. With understanding, we're going to unpack that a little bit and say, what is due? When you marry somebody, the Bible says that two become one. And what that, the, uh, I can't even sum up exactly what that is. It's too big of a topic. Part of that is that you are no longer just individuals. You are forming one life. Now, you will still be an individual, 
and, and you're, you know, both parties will still be individual. They'll still have their own personalities. They'll have their own desires. They'll have their own hobbies. They'll even have their own friends. Uh, they, may, they may have their own career. They'll have definitely their own understanding of things. So what is this one? Well, this one is this new thing called marriage. In a sense, it's if you took the, the two, circle, two circles and you overlap them in between is this whole marriage. But really what I would do is I would put those circles connected and then draw a circle around them that says they are married. They are no longer free just to do whatever they want to do, even though they have individual will. They have individual personality and uh, individual gifts and in, the, in the spiritual realm. And so we have this one thing, which is marriage. And that partnership is unbroken, sacred, holy, and the thing that needs to be focused upon with both parties. What comes out of being connected with somebody on that deep level? Well, going into give her what is due. Go with me. Keep your finger here, but go with me to Romans 13. Romans 13. Verse 8. Now, as you get there, don't start reading and doing a Bible study yet. I know a lot of people like to like read the Bible and do our own Bible study while I'm preaching. You can do that in a minute. The word in the Greek, give them what is due, is exactly that. It's a word that means debt, what's something that's owed, that's something that's due. Verse 8 in Romans 13 says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. What is due to each spouse? Love. Love. Not sex. Now, when you love someone, you honor them. You respect them. You care for them. You give them the things that they need and try to give the things that they desire that are helpful and healthy and right. What's the woman's greatest need? It's going to be debated a little bit. Affection? Affection? Love? Security? Security? Actually, it's a huge one. Some say that is the biggest one for a woman, security. There's whole books written on it. What's the greatest need for a man? Food. Food. <laughs> Food. <laughs> right? We are simple. Read Dr. Laura's book, The Proper Feeding and Care of a Husband. She breaks it down really simple. Respect. Respect. That is probably the number one greatest need for a male is respect. In fact, Ephesians says, husbands, love your wife. Wives, respect your husband. Men need respect. We need other things. We need food, right? We need food. There's, there's things that we need. There's things that, that um, 
for both women and, and, and men. There are individual things. When you love them, you will learn the things that your spouse needs, desires, that are healthy, and you will help provide for those things. See, what we owe each other is love. And if we can understand that these, uh, this subject of, of sex within marriage is only a small part of that, What's, what we've broken this down to um, in marriage is duty sex. And, and, and if you've been married, you understand what I'm talking about. Women will go, well, it's my duty. I have to do it. And that has um, really crippled marriages and really been a negative thing for both partners. I don't think that's what Paul is, is talking about here. And I think as we grow and have a healthier marriage, we could work past that. So give them what is due. Let's start with love and figure out what we mean by that. Um, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. It's a great place. We're not going to go too far there because we're going to be there in a few weeks. 1 Corinthians 13 says what love is. Now, specifically, what I would like you to do when you read this, if you are married or if you get remarried, or if you, when you get married, if you get married. This is going to change it a little bit, and this isn't the only way to look at this. In fact, it's not the way it was written. Um, but you think love, this is how we love each other. We're patient and kind. We don't envy. We don't boast. We're not arrogant or rude. We don't insist on our own way. We're not irritable or resentful. We're we don't rejoice at wrongdoing. We rejoice with the truth. We bear all things, believe all things, hope all things. We endure all things because lever, love never fails or love never ends. Um, if you're married, I, I want you to um, do this personally and think about this and maybe have a discussion with your spouse. Um, I want you to add. We're going to speak. Really, we're not going to go into real detail of this, but I'm going to. I want you to add three words when you talk to your spouse about this subject and think about it when you go home. The three words are simply this. This is specifically in the area of sex. I want you to put in the bedroom after each of those little sections. Love is patient in the bedroom. Love is kind in the bedroom. You follow? See if that will begin to transform your life a little bit. Okay? You move on. What we're really going for is intimacy. This is what husbands and wives need to have, intimacy. That's that affection, that care, knowing each other. I think growing in that's going to be help us to grow and be able to give what is due. Going back to chapter 7, verse 4. 
The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. You go, Man, that's a really tough scripture, and it's abused and misunderstood. But when you get married, you're no longer just your own. You have a responsibility towards each other. You've committed to love each other and to help each other and to walk with each other. That means that you don't just get to live only for yourself anymore. That means that in, in, in all areas, not just in this uh, sexual way, and that's where we, we tend to do that, but you know, it's interesting that some, some people will, uh, some guys will, will, will do this in the area of sex. Well, hey, your body's not your own. You owe it to me. You got to give it to me. Well, I, I said, well, what if the wife said, listen, your body's not your own, but you've, you've put 150 pounds on that body, and I'm not really liking that anymore. Your, your body's not your own, and yet look what you've done to it. Well, you can't talk about that. Well, why not? See, we belong to each other. So we really honor each other with our whole life, understanding that we need to be there for each other. And, and so we'll keep going. Verse 4, um, we belong to each other. Number five, verse 5 says, Don't deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a, a limited time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I want to hit the word self-control before we jump back into that. People, we need to have self-control. It is a thing. It exists. In fact, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So we, wanted, we don't want to just, just say, well, you know, I can't control myself, so you got to give me. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. That's what the, the whole society is about. Give me. I want. I want it now. You know, the whole problem with this area and a lot of areas is that we're always just thinking about ourselves and selfishness and how much can we get and how quickly can we get it. How much money can we get and how quickly can I get it. How much fame can I get and how quickly can I get it? There's a commercial for a little kid, a young teenager. He's, he's talking about wanting to play football and, and make that, that pass. And, and, and it's a virtual reality commercial. You may have seen it. If you, it's, a lot of time it's played during football games. And it's kind of a cool thing. You put the virtual reality goggles on, and you are the quarterback. And you're right there, and you're, you make that, that throw, and, and the whole stadium erupts. And there was something in that going, that's just wrong. And here's, it, here's why. He did nothing to deserve that or earn that. But what we're kind of playing into is that we're going to become so real that I'm going to feel like I did. I deserve to get the touchdown. I deserve that. No, you don't. Didn't earn it. We want it now. We want a lot of it. And, and, and this, this can convict and be part of like, wow, I don't want that to be money, fame, sex. We can use some self-control in this area, but husbands and wives, listen, this is a true thing. Don't deprive one another of what? What's due them? Don't deprive them of love. Don't deprive them of care. Don't deprive them of respect. Don't deprive them of food. Don't deprive them of sex. Don't, don't deprive. And specifically, he is talking about sex here, but we can put a lot of things there. It, it, and especially with sex, because of the temptations, 
don't do that. If you do, do it because you're, you're serving God, uh, you're praying, and you want to come back together. Here's another problem with what's happening, just to get you the background on this, is the reason they were uh, asking about sex was not just about uh, needing it and demanding it, but there was a whole group of people who were buying into this asceticism life, which meant everything in the flesh, everything natural is evil. Everything of the flesh, everything in the natural is evil. We talked about this a few months ago, even food. Like, you know, food's bad, everything's bad. So just try to avoid everything that's natural. The only thing that's good is spiritual stuff. So some of these people were saying, so because of that, sex, even in marriage, is bad. Married couples who want to be holy shouldn't have sex. That's not true. And that Paul is actually talking about that also. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. That is not true. God created sex for two people to come together and be united in a way that no other two people are united. That's why you're not supposed to share it. He goes on, verse 6, Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Paul's going, I'm really satisfied not being married. I'm, he goes on later to say, I can focus on the Lord. I can go wherever he calls me. I can do whatever he calls me to do. Um, I don't have to uh, worry about providing for my family. I wish everybody was this. Why? Because if we could be like that, we could reach the world quicker for Jesus. But see, he's talking about his gift that he has. Have you ever met somebody who had a passion for one thing with God, like evangelism? Somebody with a heart for evangelism thinks everybody should be an evangelist. Everyone should be out soul winning, going door to door. And, and they, you're bad if you don't because they have this gift and they have an ability where some people are like, when I talk to people, my hands sweat, I sweat. I, uh, that's really, really, really hard. And you want me to go door to door? Not this little gray duck. See, we tend to uh, put onto other people what, what God has gifted us. And Paul's kind of doing that, really. He's going, I wish you were all like that, but he does recognize, but not everybody has my gift. Paul had a gift because of his discipline and his spiritual disposition that he could stay unmarried and he wasn't tempted to have sex and he could overcome that temptation. So he's like, I'm going to stay single. And I wish you could all be that way. But it's not just the case. I wish that all were as myself, each one has his own gift, one of one kind and one of another. You have a gift. Everyone has a gift in here. Walk in your gift. Use your gift. Understand and know your gift. No, verse 8. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. That's really just straightforward. As you're living your life, you need to know your gift and your abilities. 
But one of the things Paul keeps going here is if you have the need to be with someone in a sexual way, get married. Don't do it outside of marriage. It's destructive. It's, it's long-term. It's hurtful to all parties involved. Verse 10. To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. We are turning a corner in here. Uh, he is turning a corner and beginning to, to address divorce. A, a wife should not separate from her husband. If she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. So he goes through, he's talking about marriage, he's talking about loving each other, giving to each other, he's talking about sex outside of marriage, and now he's beginning, to, he's going to turn, he says, okay, to unmarried people, uh, I'm sorry, we, or to the married people, the wife should not separate from her husband. So here's some, some truth and background so we understand. In this time, women could not divorce their husbands. It was impossible and illegal for them to to divorce their husbands. Only men could divorce their wives. And, and we, we know that Jesus addressed this, and that's what he's talking about. He says, the Lord's already talked about this. Um, the law says a husband could divorce his wife for anything, and Jesus says, no. That's just not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus talks a lot about that. But now he, Paul's talking about to the, to the wives. He says, he uses the word separate. Separate. A woman could separate from her husband for time and go live somewhere else, but she could never divorce. She could never get remarried. She could never uh, be with anybody else. She would stay his, his wife. And so he says, to the married I gave this charge, the wife should not separate from her husband. Um, under, under any circumstances, that just shouldn't be what happens. And you're gonna, some of you are like, but what about? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about some of the what abouts. Paul does a little bit also. Then it says, the husband should not divorce his wife. Let me just be really clear. This is what the Lord says. Divorce shouldn't happen. Divorce shouldn't happen. Now, this is the hard part of this. It does happen, and it's happened for a number of you. But according to God, it shouldn't happen. But look at, look at what he said. Like Paul already knew about us and probably about them. He said, the wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does, you know why that's in there? Because he understands that things happen. Life, bad decisions, bad circumstances happen. And so he says, listen, if it does happen, she should remain unmarried. I, I, let, me, let me read pretty much to the end so we get some of these what ifs. To the rest I say, I, not the Lord. Who's ever, there's some problems we're going to read over, and some of you are like, I've always wondered what he's talking about. Um, this is one of them. To the rest I say, I, not the Lord. 
what is he saying? I believe what Paul is saying when he gives the rest of this is that Jesus never directly dealt with this next part. But doesn't mean that it's not from God. Paul, we believe that Paul was moved by the Holy Spirit to write down what he wrote down for us. Was everything that Paul ever said in his entire life truth and gospel? No. But we believe that everything he wrote down and got canonized in this book is just like God was saying it. So that's just saying Jesus never dealt with this directly. To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. And then we go into this really interesting thing. So let's stop. We're going to go to 14 in a second. So you have a, an unbeliever who's married to a believer or two unbelievers, one of them gets saved, and, and this was happening then, like, I became a Christian, I'm married to a non-Christian, can I leave them? Because we don't see eye to eye. They're a pagan, and it's just not good, and can I go ahead and, and divorce them? And Paul says, no, still not. Why? Because that's not what God did. God, God says a man and a woman married for life, you shouldn't get divorced, even under that circumstance. If any woman has a husband who's an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. He wants to stay. Okay, now we're going to find out some more stuff. Here's where it gets a little interesting. The unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife. The unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Huh? Huh? Who, just for fun, who's ever read that and went, huh? Anyone else? Okay, this some of you. This isn't saying that if you are saved and your husband is not, that they're automatically saved because of you. That's not what it's saying. But but we don't actually understand fully what this is saying. Commentators disagree, and a lot of them are kind of like, I don't know. And here's why. There is a mystery that happens within marriage, within a man and a woman coming together, being united by God in this holy, sacred union called marriage that the state has obliterated, that we don't understand all the ramifications. We don't understand how it affects children. We don't know how, understand how it truly affects one another. But we do understand anybody who's ever gotten divorced understands there was a lot more to it than signing a piece of paper. It had effects that were far-reaching, far-reaching. Divorce is never really good. But sometimes divorce is necessary. Sometimes divorce is better than what's happening here, but doesn't mean that it's good. And for God, he said, that was not the intention. Here's an example. If I had diabetes and I wasn't treating it, my toes would start I would start having problems, and they 
I might have to cut off my toes. I might, if I don't deal with it, I may have to cut off up here. In fact, if I have problems in my toes and don't deal with it, it's gonna move into my foot, it's gonna move into my ankle, it's gonna move up my calf, and pretty soon I'm gonna have to amputate everything from here down. Right? Is that good? But is it better than letting it keep going? People often say, Pastor, can I get a divorce? Is it okay? No, it's not okay. But it may have to happen. Will life be just as good as it was before? Nope. You're going to have to learn how to walk without a leg. Does that, that make, am I explaining myself okay? This is harsh, isn't it? We're not done, so, so don't... Don't go anywhere. So something happens within the marriage that we really don't understand, but, but it's this, this idea that it takes only one to bring in the blessing of God and sanctification in the marriage. It doesn't take both. So you might be married to an unbeliever, but your life in Christ is bringing in a blessing, bringing the sanctification process to that marriage that we don't understand. Um, verse 15. If the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. So this is going now. Now he's actually going, okay, so now you've got a, a, a Christian and a non-Christian married, and the non-unbelieving spouse says, I'm out of here. And, and, and Paul's saying, you can let them go. And I believe this is going to touch another part of this whole conversation of divorce. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God doesn't want us enslaved, in bondage, and we can't hold somebody in bondage. See, you can't change what somebody else does. If they leave and divorce you, you can't make them not do that, can you? You can try, you can work, you can pray, you can change, uh, we can try to do these things, but you can't enslave them to stay, and that's kind of what Paul is addressing here. If they want to go, they can go. God has called you to peace. It goes on and says, for how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband, or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? When you're married to an unbeliever, you have that opportunity to be an example and to bring Christ to your spouse, even if they're unsaved. So he's saying, don't divorce. You have this ability with them to bring their Christ. Now, if they leave, if they, if they leave you, they can still get saved. Somebody else can bring them Christ. But Paul is saying, you, you stay. Now, here's the thing. Let's be real. That is painful. I have sat across from too many people over the years who were in bad marriages, who were in a lot of pain. And that is really difficult. But I've also sat with a lot of people who weathered the difficulty, who worked on it, who overcame it. Now, sometimes it's years, isn't it? It's years. It's, it's a painful process. 
divorce is always the less, it's, it, it's always less than, than good, always less than good, but sometimes it happens. And when it does, is there grace? Now that, the Bible is very clear about. Forgiveness is always there for us. It's always there. Redemption, He's the God of redemption. He's the God of second chances. He's the God of hope. He's the God of restoration. Just like with any sin, if you've murdered somebody, is there forgiveness for it? Absolutely. Will you have consequences in your life if you've murdered somebody? Absolutely. Even if nobody's ever found out about it. Over my many years of life, I've had a few people confess to me that they had killed somebody and nobody knows. Sometimes it's not fun to be a pastor. I will guarantee you they live with consequences. Is there forgiveness? Absolutely. Does God restore? Absolutely. Does he look at your past and say, you're not as good as you used to be? Nope. Not at all. He doesn't. He, he, he really doesn't. I, I, I want, if you've been divorced, he never looks at you and says, well, kind of disappointed and you're just not as good. He forgives you 100%, restores you 100%, redeems you 100%. The reason he said don't do it is because he knew you're going to live with the consequences. Something happened. Something changed. But in the church, we have lessened this topic to the point where people feel that it's an option and it's okay. Now, let me give a couple quick statistics. You've all heard that the divorce rate in the country is at least 50 percent. It's actually less than that. It's one of the lies of the enemy. It is actually less than that. It's close. And in some states, it might be as, as high as that. It's just under. But the divorce rate on first marriages is closer to 40 percent. The divorce rate for second and third marriages is up between 60 to 75 percent. That's kind of interesting. Staying together long-term produces more stability, statistically and experientially. When you get divorced, the, the chances of you getting a second divorce increases a lot. Now, we don't have too many young people in here. When you get married, increases or decreases your chance of getting a divorce. If you marry before around 18 to 20 years old, you have a statistically higher chance of getting a divorce. But if you marry between 20 and 24, it's even higher. That's interesting. It's actually slightly better to get married at 18 than it is to get married at 22 or 23 statistically. But if you wait until you're 25, it's even better. 
the, st the chances of you staying married if you get married between 25 and 30 are better. The divorce rates get older go down, and we've actually seen less uh, divorces in the last couple of years. The divorce rate all, all over is actually declining a little bit. That's a good thing. But you know what groups it's, it's increasing is? And this will not be surprising. It's very sad. 40 plus, 50 plus, and 60 plus. All those age groups, there's more divorces now than there were 10 years ago and 20 years ago. Divorce rates in older people are increasing. We're beginning to buy into that grass might be greener, might be better. I want to encourage you, don't abandon ship. Work hard. Stay in. Get help. There's a lot of it out there. Ask for help. Read. There's so much, when I was studying for this, so much good stuff out there about every single topic. I mean, there is no taboo topics in, in help for marriage. So, so some questions. Should you stay single? Only if you have the gift to stay single. It's pretty simple. Should you marry an unbeliever? Nope. You know, interesting what Paul didn't even address in here are two believers getting a divorce. He's like, that's, not, that's, that's, that's an impossibility. Two people under Christ's command, under Christ's law, under Christ's living, it's actually impossible to get divorced. You go, but that's not true. When you're, and here's why I believe that it is, because when you're both submitted equally to the Lord, you won't do it. What happens is one of you or both of you, the people, aren't. And sometimes it's just in the moment. I also believe, and you throw this in there, I, I also believe sometimes there is somebody who's acting like an unbeliever, and they're the ones who are trying to leave. They're doing everything in their power to leave. I, I would put that kind of under the same thing. They're, they're an unbeliever, and they're trying to leave. You may need to let them go. Work on it first. Work, 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 but you're free. They're no longer submitted to Christ. But I want to encourage you, don't try to make that happen. Don't be so bad that they try to leave you, and then you can say, but they left me. Amen? Finally, is it okay to get a divorce? We're not supposed to live enslaved. There's, there's obviously, Christ um, said that if, if there's a, um, adultery in the relationship that you are free to go, but you know he didn't say? You have to. He says, under that circumstance, you can, but you still don't have to. Do all you can to re redeem your marriage. Love one another. Go back to the beginning. Principles for marriage. Give each other what is due. I'm going to close with that thought. Give each other what is due. The only debt that should be outstanding is the continuing debt to love one another. How can you love your spouse? We can take that right into the church, too. How can you love the person sitting next to you or your kids? Love, love, love. That's going to be what we, what we need. Love, love them hard. Do all that we can. If you are at all in, in, in a situation that you need help or are having a pain in your marriage, don't hide it. Doesn't go away. 
Let's get some more knowledge and more understanding and help you get some tools to bring healing to your marriage. Let's close in prayer. Father, this is a, a direct and a tough chapter in, in Corinthians, but it gives, I believe it still gives hope in life because you are the God of redemption, the God of hope. Father, you actually are trying to save us from the difficulties that we could get into because we are making uh, decisions based upon our flesh, our emotions, rather than in the spirit. So help us. Lord, I pray for marriages today. Father, every marriage represented in this room, every marriage represented in this body, that you would bring life, that you would be, bring love, that you would bring understanding one for the other. Teach us how to love, how to care for, how to give each other what is due. God, help us to continue to be open and willing and desirous to learn more to get more information, to get more understanding. Bless our marriages. Let them become strong. Let, let the marriages here not be a statistic, but, but break the statistics. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.